Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 229. Today's topic is Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, Part 30. The Climate Report is a daily radio show and podcast that asks the question, WTF? Who is running the world and who controls the world? And why do they want to ruin it for the rest of us, including their own children? Clearly, we are on a path to ruin. Clearly, business as usual is the path to ruin. And yet you have these ridiculous politicians, pundits, and plutocrats who take themselves so seriously as if we should listen to them when all they're doing is participating in the process of running the world into the ground, so to speak. The Climate Report is a thorough examination of how to solve the problem of climate change. It is also your definitive source for information and analysis related to the Green New Deal. On the Climate Report, we question everything, everything we've ever been taught about American politics, American democracy, political parties, American history, the role of the United States in the world, the United States' role as policemen of the world, supposedly. We question what we've been taught about the United States' role as the spreader of freedom and democracy. We question what we've been taught about our economic system, including the free enterprise system and the so-called free market. And uh, on and on. We question the ideologies that we've been taught. We question American exceptionalism. And not least of all, you need to question everything you've ever learned from TV, including what to value, what's beautiful, what's good, because TV, among other things, is just a festival of commercialism. It's all, all about selling you something. And sometimes what we're sold is not just products and services, but an ideology and a worldview. We're sold an attitude about how to see the world. So we need to question everything we've ever learned from TV. The views expressed on this show are those of the speaker and no one else. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. So, we're talking about Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. Bernie Sanders is not the original person who promulgated the Green New Deal. The Green Party promulgated the Green New Deal in approximately 2008, so about 10 or 11 years ago. And then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came into office in 2019 and made uh, the Green New Deal a household word, at least in political circles. And now Bernie Sanders has his version of the Green New Deal. Another notable version of the Green New Deal is the Democratic Socialist of America version of the Green New Deal. But we're working through Bernie's version, and we are about 85% of the way through it. It has taken 30 episodes to get this far. To me, well worth it. Now, 
we, why is it well worth it? Because this is policy. Uh, and policy, what's that? Policy means our plans for the future. We live in a world in which we have a, a ruling class that has no plans for our future except death and destruction, and that is not hyperbole. That is not an exaggeration. We have a ruling class that is willing and able to poison us for profit. They're willing and able to kill people at home and abroad for profit. We have a a ruling class that is willing, able, and eager to plant false ideas in our minds as to what is the role of the United States in the world. We've been told for time immemorial that the United States goes around the world spreading freedom and democracy, but if you look at the uh, facts, the exact opposite is true. William Bloom in the title of his book, says that that democracy is America's deadliest export. We are told that our military is spreading democracy all around the world, but what we do, what our government does, what our foreign policy does, is to spread tyranny and destruction and heartache and Uh, destroyed families, destroyed lives, destroyed communities. If you want to know the true impact of American foreign policy, then look at Latin America, which is the area of the world in which the United States foreign policy has unchallenged supremacy. And you will find uh, lots and lots of poverty. You will find tyranny. You will find people that are continually and perpetually beat down, quite often by the very troops and security forces that our government has trained. So that's the real status of the world. That's how things really work in the world. But we have a ruling class that is willing, able, and eager to distract us from all of that so that they can continue to pick our pockets, deprive us of money, deprive us of opportunity, deprive us of health. So, of course, all this needs to change. And the Green New Deal is kind of a buzzword for how we can get to a new deal for everybody so that we have a future for one thing, and we have more opportunity, health, and wealth in the present. When I say wealth there, you know, wealth is a good thing as long as it's not concentrated into the hands of a very, very few people. Anybody possessing more than a few million dollars of wealth is, uh, you know, kind of in the out-of-control crowd, out-of-control consumption, out-of-control buying our government officials, and that needs to stop. So, in Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, we're in the part that is called Empowering Farmers, Foresters, and Ranchers to Address Climate Change and Protect Ecosystems. So let's get right into it. It says here, we will invest $1.48 billion in research to develop new region-appropriate farming techniques and seeds. 
In order to respond to climate change and heal the environment, we will need to invest in non-chemical intensive practices and seed varieties that are tailored to each region's soil and climate. So the thing is, all this is very, very good stuff. We need the will to implement it. We need to put more faith in uh, the right government programs. We need to put less faith in the ideology that says all government is bad. For one thing, nobody believes that. The same people who think government needs to be minimized are the people who, who fall all over themselves wanting to increase the military budget such that our military budget is more than the next 10 countries combined. We have a military budget that is greater than the next 10 countries combined, not because the people of the United States want that, but because that's what makes money for the people who have bought our politicians, including Louisville's own John Yarmouth. Next, it says we will fund farmland conservation. We will spend $25 billion to bolster existing programs like the Conservation Stewardship Program, the Agriculture Conservation Easement Program, and the Regional Conservation Partnership Program that help farmers make conservation improvements on their farm. These programs have made uh, demonstrated gains in environmental quality. So why would we not do this? Why would we not put money toward this? The reason people don't want to put money toward this is because we are controlled by a ruling class that does not care about the environment. Overall, there are a few individuals who care about the environment, but overall, our ruling class is just not wired to give a damn about the air we breathe, the water we drink, or a habitable climate. It says here we will transition to organic farming. We will spend $500 million to help farmers that are enrolled in the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP, transition their land to new organic farmers. As CRP contracts end, we will help connect these farmers with new organic farmers who want to continue rigorous conservation practices on a working landscape. So I'm wondering what types of programs exist under the Conservation Reserve Program. I know that one thing that is done is that let's say you have a stream and let's say you have cattle that tend to go down to the stream to drink water at the stream. One thing that happens when that is allowed to occur is that the cattle trample uh, on the, you know, they, they make a lot of mud and then they, you know, pee and poop <laughs> in the mud and that creates a lot of water pollution. 
So the way to deal with one way to deal with that is to have limited access. Yes, the cattle can drink from the stream, but you put a fence along parts of the stream so that they don't have unlimited access to the stream. You can also, I'm sure, pump water from the stream up to a water tank that is away from the stream so that they don't trample in and around the stream. So that's an example of something that can be done in a conservation uh, reserve program. Another thing is to create fire breaks with wild, wild flowers. So, you know, a fire break is a place where maybe you have crops or maybe you have trees, but you want to have a place where there, where if there's a fire, it doesn't spread everywhere rapidly. So create fire breaks that are planted with wildflowers. So and another example of a conservation reserve program is just that what's called a riparian buffer, where you take, uh, you know, a riparian buffer simply means uh, vegetation alongside a stream. So the vegetation that occurs alongside a stream is very important for wildlife and also water quality. So the the, the so uh, you know farmers can be given support, financial support, and technical assistance in creating riparian buffers around streams that flow through their property, and it's very good for wildlife and it's very good for water quality. So why would we not do this? Well, because the the same old mischievous ruling class wants to spend all of their all of our money on war and and uh, and bailing out banks and agricultural subsidies that incentivize all the wrong things that's why we don't have money for this type of thing also we don't have a vision for this type of thing and another thing is that our politicians including John Yarmouth uh, are bought by the agribusiness uh, interests. So the agribusiness, the people that own the big, huge farms, and also the agribusiness corporations such as Monsanto and Archer Daniels Midland and Cargill, these corporations buy our elected leaders so that our elected leaders are impotent. When it comes to doing things that are good for people, our elected leaders, including John Yarmouth, only want to do what the bidding of their corporate donors. That needs to change. So how do we change that? Well, the the key to changing the world is activism, and the three pillars of activism are educate, organize, agitate. You are doing your part in educating by listening to this show and listening to other good content, reading other good content, sharing it when you can, and maybe, you know, teaching it when you can. Uh, Also, organizing. Educate, organize, agitate. Organize means you show up at meetings and you do what you can to organize people in your community. You do what you can to grow good organizations good grassroots organizations. You do what you can to grow good grassroots organizations and to connect your organization with other grassroots organizations. That's organizing. Lastly, agitate. 
<clears throat> agitate can mean many, many different things, but in Louisville, it means the climate strike, which is coming up soon. It's a worldwide climate strike, so do what you can to agitate. Extinction Rebellion is an excellent organization. Uh, find an Extinction Rebellion group in your area. Uh, if you want to know about Extinction Rebellion groups in the Louisville area, then email info at theclimatereport.net and I will get you hooked in because I know the people and and am part of Extinction Rebellion. Excellent organization if you want to be able to agitate. And that's how you change the world is through activism. Activism means educate, organize, agitate. The next item here in Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal is renewable energy on the farm. Farmers should be able to grow and harvest renewable energy in addition to their crops. We will invest $1.4 billion in the Rural Energy for America program for clean energy options to both diversify income streams, save money, and eliminate fossil fuel dependence on farms. So, farmers have what? First and foremost, farmers have land. Therefore, farmers have the space for solar energy farms. They have the space for windmill uh, energy, wind farms. So that's why it says we will invest $1.4 billion in the Rural Energy for America program. You know, there is plenty of space for us to generate. That We have the technology. We have the space and we have the money to generate our energy through renewable energy. Why don't we do that? Well, because we have a ruling class that wants to stand in the way. We have a ruling class that is making quite enough money, quite a lot of money, thank you, in business as usual. We have a ruling class that thrives on fossil fuels. We have a ruling class that's making a lot of money on fossil fuels, and why do they? Um, why would they want to do anything but make money with fossil fuels? Destroying the planet and destroying our ecology is beside the point. It's immaterial to them because we're not dealing with people who care more about the planet than profit. We're dealing with people who care more about profit than the planet. So instead of listening to such people and following their lead, we will invest $1.4 billion in the Rural Energy Program for America, among other things included in Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. The next item on Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal is we will enforce the Clean Air and Water Acts on large factory farms and ensure all farmers have access to the tools and resources they need to address pollution. In other words, just because you're a farmer doesn't mean you're off the hook, especially large factory farms. These... uh, you know, farms that have all of this waste, it's just literally the, the pee and the poop from these uh, animals in factory farms is toxic waste, and it needs to be dealt with. We need to enforce the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. 
it says here that according to the EPA Inspector General, the EPA has spent more than 10 years and $15 million failing to develop a reliable method for measuring whether factory farms are complying with the Clean Air Act and other regulations of dangerous air pollution. Why is that the case? Uh, Industrial animal feeding operations and the millions of pounds of untreated waste they create are a major source of air pollution and a driver of climate change, maybe partly because of the methane that is released from this animal waste on factory farms. We're talking about factory farms. We're talking about, you know, these huge, uh, and, you know, animal rights is an issue when it comes to these factory farms. It is, it is industrialized cruelty, what is done to animals on these large factory farms. We have a lot of reason for putting an end to these factory farms First of all, by doing the same thing that you do to any rapacious, greedy business, which is you reg- you tax them and regulate them and penalize them out of business. Uh, factory farms should be subject to stiff penalties for the waste that they create, and they should be subject to uh, taxes, you know, especially these big corporate entities should be subject to high taxes because just because because you know we need to need to identify corporations that are of a certain size and they need to be taxed at 50 to 70 percent on net corporate income it's not going to put them out of business it's just going to mean that um that they have to pay their fair share for cleaning up their freaking mess. It says here, in reference to the EPA failing to develop a reliable method for measuring whether factory farms are complying with the Clean Air Act, it says that we will end this weak oversight of factory farms and ensure every farmer has the resources to address all forms of pollution. So we don't mind providing farms with resources. We need to stop giving subsidies for all the wrong reasons, and we need to stop giving tax breaks for all the wrong reasons. We need to subsidize good behavior, and we need to tax high income. We need to tax high wealth. And we need to regulate bad practices out of existence. And we need to penalize bad practices out of existence. Penalize means if you do the wrong thing, you pay penalties. Especially if you're a big player. So let's go to the next item. We're going to ensure all rural residents, including farmers and farm workers ensuring that they all have the right to protect their families and properties from chemical and biological pollution, including pesticide and herbicide drift. Yes! Farms and farmers and farm workers should be free from chemical and biological pollution, including free from pesticides 
free from herbicides. These pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers have been sold without respect to the consequences to innocent bystanders, without the respect to the consequences to farmers and farm workers, without respect to the consequences of the customers of these farm products. But it says here that farmers and farm workers should have the right to protect themselves and their families from chemical and biological pollution, including pesticide and herbicide drift. It says farm practices should not infringe on the ability of other farmers and neighbors to carry out the normal activities of farming and rural lifestyles. So one thing that occurs is you have all this genetically modified corn and genetically modified soybeans. And the reason they're genetically modified is to be Roundup resistant. They're modified so that uh, people can use Roundup uh, from Monsanto to kill the weeds, which are wildflowers, you know, one person's weed is another person's wildflower. If it's native, it's not a weed. It is a wildflower. Bees and butterflies depend on wildflowers, and therefore birds and small mammals depend on wildflowers. And people should be protected from pesticide and herbicide drift. That's when one farmer sprays on their property and the wind carries it and it drifts onto the other property. People should be protected from pesticide and herbicide drift, partly for the benefit of wildlife and partly for the benefit of human health. Let's go to the next item. It says we are going to invest in family farms and rural communities, not corporate ownership. Yes, there, is n there should be limits on the size of a corporation that is allowed to own a farm. And furthermore, every county uh, should have limits on the ownership of farms and other businesses by absentee investors. There is no reason for the world to be owned by absentee investors. There is no reason for the farms of America to be owned by absentee investors. So it says we're going to invest in family farms and rural communities, not corporate ownership. It says we're going to break up big agribusiness, agribusinesses that have a stranglehold on farmers and rural communities. So the way that works is that farmers have to buy things to plant the crops, and then they after, after they grow the crops, they have to sell the crops. So there are these big, huge agribusiness corporations that sell them the seeds and the fertilizer and the pesticides and the equipment to grow their crops. And then some of those same corporations buy the crops that the farmers grow. And, there are, and there's too few of them. It's a monopoly enterprise. 
like I said at the top of the hour, we don't have a free enterprise system. We have a monopoly enterprise system. We have huge corporations that have control over the agriculture industry. And these big corporations are every bit as much of a threat to our way of life as any government is. So governments are harmful, but corporations are these big, ruthless, tyrannical organizations that have every bit as much of a, of, of a sway over our lives and our rights. That's about all the time we have. I want you to please email info at theclimatereport.net if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. One last thought. Our world is ruled by money, not many. We need to be ruled by the many, not the money. Our world is ruled by a very few instead of a very many. We need to be ruled by the very many. And we need to do what it takes to make that happen. And we need to have fun in the process. I hope you've enjoyed this. Come back soon.